the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Welcome to episode three of Brave, a podcast series from Headstrong, looking at young people's mental health and well-being as we emerge and try to emerge well from a global pandemic. I'm Martin Saunders and with me, as always, Dr. Kate Middleton. Hello, Dr. Kate. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you. We've just hit the halfway stage yeah. on, on Brave. Yeah. We've still got plenty in there to, to share with us, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just give us a little... Very quick, um, hopefully people won't join us at episode three, they'll join us at episode one, but very quick in a nutshell what we're doing and why we're doing it. So our aim in this series is to look at the challenges that young people are facing, but most importantly to equip them. So instead of just talking about what do you do when they make your young people ill and struggling, we're saying how do you equip them to manage them better, to stand tall in face of life's big challenges, to stay brave even when things are difficult. So um, we're going to talk in this episode about identity. And if we could just, yes. to, that's one of those words that you hear a lot, isn't it? You know, but what do we mean when we, we talk about identity yeah. and identity formation and how does that work? Yeah, and, and I, you know, we are talking about identity to me as Kate Middleton, who does obviously have like a whole identity issue being largely mistaken for somebody else a lot yes. of the time. Yeah, that has come up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I literally spoke pre-pandemic at an event for young people. It was like 800, 14 to 16 year olds. And as I got up onto the stage, I heard an audible sigh of disappointment because oh. they genuinely, it turned out later, thought the other Kate Middleton was coming. So sorry. So I like hadn't said a word, and I had already disappointed them. Was it a gathering of the sort of national youth kind I don't of really royalist want, society? Yeah, I don't really want to like provide any bigger context for it. But it was good. I mean, uh, things could only get better. Looking on it in a positive way. <laughs> so why? So, so yeah, why identity. Are we about identity. What is it? What so identity mean? is obviously who who you are, Martin. Like who are you? Yes. But it's 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 your understanding of yourself. Not just in the basic sense, like who are you, you're, how old you are, like what do you look like, what's your context, what's your job. It's how do you interact with the world, with other people, what works well for you, what doesn't work so well, what are you good at, what are you not so good at, what makes you feel good, what do you struggle with. So it's a self-awareness that hopefully both enables you to, to do life well and not drive too many other people crazy, but also in its best sense, releases everything that you could be because it enables you to feel confident enough to explore and push into things and um, step out of your comfort zone and and just step into all the opportunities that life has got. You know, I, I remember growing up, it was a long, long time ago now, but I remember that, that sense of sort of beginning to form identity by affiliation to certain things so i mm. let's let, i'm just going to get this out into the open because you've been honest and vulnerable in this series um i was a huge doctor who buff when i was a young teenager and i would go to like doctor who conventions and uh, and collect like doctor who books did you have like one that. of those like little robot daleks because like, i really yeah, course, wanted one of, of course, them when i was a kid of course i had a little robot dalek <sighs> And um, see now I'm just jealous, and, and all sorts of things. And so, very much, if you'd said like who was who is Martin, you know, age 13, 14, there'd been a very sad. 
Doctor Who fan. That's what people would have said. You know, that was probably my primary identity. And we all find that sort of primary identity in something. But again, that's something that changes and moves and ebbs and flows as we yeah. As and we grow up, the journey of discovering identity through adolescence, I think, is one of the most amazing and fun things to watch, and and one of the most amazing privileges to be part of for young people when you get to influence that or go on that journey with them. But the, and there are real stages to it, aren't there? So early adolescence is just starting to realise that that you have a separate identity. So speaking as as a parent, that can be a little rocky. We've already talked on one of these pods about the tendency to disagree with everything that yeah. your parents ever say on principle, which is quite annoying. But that exploration of like, what do I think about this? Because I've never really realized that I got to have an opinion before. I just sort of absorbed the opinions of people around me. That's that's the early stage and it's quite stark then. And there can be quite an overwhelming sense of, I, I actually don't know who I am. So if young people in that space can feel quite insecure, quite anxious, they're very self-conscious, very worried about like, what if I, how do people see me? What if I come across wrong? Because yeah. they don't know who they are. I mean, that's, that can be one of the sort of teenage angst things, isn't it? To say, I don't know who I am. But the answer is you're not supposed to. It's yeah. it's it's okay. The challenge is holding the fact that you don't and, and creating spaces where you can explore who you are and try out different versions of yourself. You know, the joys of teenagers is that you don't really know which one you're going to get on any given day, do you? Because they are, particularly in the sort of early to mid-adolescent phase, they are trying out new versions one day you get an amazing version you're like man especially yeah. as a parent you're like oh, i am really doing this yeah. thing well then the next time you're like who's whose kid e- even is that yes. i had a thing at church once where somebody i sort of said how how was the the session in you know in church today they're like oh it was a nightmare there was this one kid who was just awful was just like argumentative behave badly i was like oh dear which kid? they're like yeah i need to try and work out who the parents are to discuss i was like which kid is it <laughs> Yes, it was mine. Of course it was. Awkward. You know that moment in The Simpsons where there's been like a riot and they're watching it on the news and and Homer Simpson's saying, don't be the boy, don't be the boy. And then it it is his own son. Yeah, that was me. Anyway, so you get different versions of the same teenager in any moment. And and in mid-adolescence then, when they move on to starting to explore that much more proactively in more detail and looking into the nuances, so not just the start, like what do I like, what don't I like, but... Who, who am I and, and what does that mean in a bigger sense of how I interact with other people? Mm. But they are really prone to anything that gives a strong sense of identity. You know, mm. um, in early adolescence, the tribe you're part of can become so important. So like having the right kit, looking the right way, mm. because you don't know who you are. When someone asks you a question like, do you like whatever it is, you can almost see the panic on their face. They don't know, am I supposed to like it? Should I like it? Should I not like it? What do my friends think? What should I, what's the right answer to that? So having a tribe that tells you exactly what you like, exactly what you should think is good. Then when you get to mid-adolescence, you start to explore it in a bit more detail and a bit more nuance. But so we do know that teenagers, they're they're prone to the risks of that stuff. So talk about like um, media images, for example, of, of perfection, whether that's like super buff, because that tends to be what the guys get hit with mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. or the very perfect sort of images that girls will see. We know that as adults, 
that though being exposed to a lot of those doesn't really affect our mood our emotions because i think most of us are fairly like accepting of the fact we're just not going to look like either of those yeah. things I, I don't want you to feel that i'm commenting on your personal appearance but we have here, a narrative in our heads don't we of how those images are created all of we kind stuff. of know that ship has sailed but young people yeah. they have this sense still of like this this could be who i'm supposed yeah. to be they're still exploring who they are so they're much more prone to struggling with some of those things whether it's a, a physical ideal whether it's an achievement ideal whether it's an emotional ideal and anything that gives you a strong sense of identity so it's interesting then when we start because this is a podcast that's exploring things around mental health we have a very strong tribe around mental health at the moment but that is slightly focused on ill health it says I, i'm struggling i'm not well and and what a lot of leaders i'm talking to are concerned about is the way that they're seeing young people exploring identity being drawn into something that doesn't feel like it's enabling them it it, it feels like they're finding a space where they feel like they may be fit because they identify with some of the stuff that they're hearing and sharing and talking about in those spaces mm. but it's not about releasing and enabling them it can almost be something that's limiting to them. So I think there's some really interesting stuff to explore and think about in terms of the messages young people are hearing about identity. So in that context of, of young people seeking to try on different identities, having different influences, different stages, all of that, it's like a maelstrom of stuff that's going on. We then throw the kind of chaotic extra element of the pandemic mm. into this. So what is the last 18 months what implications does the last 18 months have on, on young people's identity formation? I mean, we could talk about that for hours, but I would probably bring it down to two things. That The first is related, or the second is related to the first, I should say. But the first is just about like, where do you explore and express that when you frankly, you're not really allowed to leave the house or your bedroom? I mean, that becomes quite quite limiting and quite difficult, which is frustrating and also quite anxiety provoking because your brain is telling you you need to figure this stuff out. But at the same time, you've got no opportunity to do that. And I think that was hard, particularly for the mid adolescents mm. who hit that in the middle of pandemic. And also they're, they're looking for identity, for safe spaces, for a bit of distance from their parents. And so what I heard from a lot of parents is that they retreated into their rooms, that they, they almost felt like they'd lost them. Mm. And I, I think that was some teenagers just trying to work out their need for space in a space where there was no space. Yes. If that's not Makes too many sense. uses of space in the same sentence. So I think that was difficult. The second thing then, which is really interesting then, is just how it inflated even more than already was the power of online identity, whether that's social media, gaming, avatars, whatever it is. So that, that that's always been an interesting dynamic with this generation of young people. But you hit, because of pandemic, you hit a season where actually their online selves were more real than their real selves, if you think about it. And they that was the space, the only space that they could then start to play with and explore identity and who they were and what they liked and disliked. And I, and I think even before pandemic, we were seeing young people exploring identity doing some interesting stuff with online versions of themselves. So, for example, it's quite common for young people to have more than one social media account, more than one avatar, more than one yeah. version of themselves. And, and in fact, you can have some very interesting conversations with them about why and, and, and which group of people each one of those is for and what they do and don't post on each different account. It's, it's really interesting. And that's a natural extension of their exploring and playing with identity moved into an online world 
pandemic just grew that, made it even more significant and important. And for for some, there's always the risk that that then starts to cause its own problems because those versions become genuinely more real than the real person or because of the the gap that some felt had opened up between the person they portray themselves as because we all know your online version of yourself is not real not really real it's much more shiny and polished mm. and and the real life and now they're having to go back to real life we're seeing some anxiety therefore for young people who are like i can never live up to the the version of myself that i've got to be and again we talked in one of the previous sessions about how there were there were parts of pandemic life that young people found better easier mm. and that would be one because your online identity you can practice, play with it, edit it, filter it. Real life is much more messy. You say stupid things, you know, you thought you looked good and then you see a photo, it looked, turned out you look like you've been through a hedge backwards, you know. Mm-hmm. Real life is not as easy as online stuff. Would it be fair to say that, um, you know, young people might develop multiple identities and then experience, just in the way that you've just described, this awful kind of dissonance, as they try and bring the two together. So they walk into a room and they have to be the, the person on Instagram and the person who they just really are. Or just relating this to a sort of church context, you know, the the young person who you are in your youth group and the young person mm. everyone knows you are at school. And, you know, yeah. isn't that a prevalent issue with, you know, Definitely. it was when we were teenagers. And it's normal in the teenage years to have lots of different versions of who you are in different contexts. Your challenge as you get older is to sort of integrate those and pull them together into one person. Because we're all quite complex people and we all have that slight tendency to express different parts of our identity more or less in different spaces. But we understand that to be part of the beautiful, complex person that we are. And and that's the journey of teenage life. I mean, in general, identity becomes challenging or becomes a problem in mental health terms, triggering anxiety or depression or some other issues. When there is a mismatch, like you say, a dissonance, either between the, the version of yourself that you think you are and an expectation that other people have of you for that space or just in general or because you you want you have an idealized version of who you want to be and you feel that you're not that person and and I think we talked in the last session on failure about that being another one of life's big challenges is just recognizing that we're all probably not quite as good as we wish that we were we're not quite the versions of ourselves that we wish we we were we're, we're trying to avoid like the, the cheesy like quotes aren't we in general but we could say that we're all works in progress but oh, that would be really annoying wouldn't it so no i won't i won't say that but i think that is one of the challenges and part of the the journey of identity exploration in the teenage years is probably one of acceptance mm. as much as it is just about knowledge and and that self-awareness things we all know as adults one of the most difficult things to deal with is someone who has no self-awareness of who they actually are you know you have people who will say things like oh it's it's so good that i'm not an anxious person or it's so good that i'm not a control freak and you're just like oh my goodness yeah i don't even know where to start with explaining how how wrong you are about (laughs) that but anyway yeah well it seems like the obvious place the right place to end this uh, this brilliant four-part series. I mean, I say brilliant because I've just sat here and listened to you, Kate, and it has been brilliant. But it feels like the the right place to to end to to draw together our thoughts about identity and say, of course, that our identity and the identity of our young people should be in Jesus. You know, that's definitely that's the right answer, isn't it? But actually, that's 
That's very easy to say, and it is a phrase that gets thrown around. But how do you think we can help young people to just actually yeah. relate to that idea and understand it? And I, and I think what we have to be careful about is how that can be heard sometimes by young people who have a genuine and correct need to explore the person that God created them to be. So when we say, oh, your identity is in Jesus, that can feel like a dismissal, like, like get over this. Mm. This is not a big deal. It is a big deal, but not in a bad way. It's, it's part of their journey. Our job is to support them through that journey, to help them explore who they are, to celebrate the good stuff, maybe sometimes tweak and shape the other stuff. To, to allow them to make mistakes. You know, I had a conversation with a young person the other day who was like, I, who was trying to deal with the outcome of having behaved really quite badly in something. And I was like, do you know what? It, the problem here is not that you made a mistake. That's kind of your job. It's good. Well done. You made a mistake. What we need to do is figure out what does that mean? How do you get out of this now? So we need to help them manage how their understanding of their identity is affecting the way that they sit in the rest of the world. So, so we mustn't just dismiss with that. The second thing that I would say then is is we need to be careful about stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Oh, can of worms opening quite a long way into the podcast. But as Christians, we have quite a lot of stereotypes. So when we say your identity is in Jesus, that could mean like you are supposed to look like probably X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. depending on your church background, maybe your gender, mm-hmm. some other things about who you are and how you see yourself. And I think... We need to be aware that as people of God, there is a beautiful and broad and almost limitless variety in who we are. Our job is not to somehow squeeze ourselves into a mold that we've seen expressed somewhere else, which is what a Christian person is supposed to be like, or what a leader is supposed to be like, or what a man of God slash woman of God is supposed to look like. It is to understand who God made us and what it means to release that to its fullest and best extent and and the church and faith world in general would benefit from some broader expression of those things i would suggest so we should be celebrating variety with young people helping them understand who they are and and just doing that to the glory of the god who created them all so different but fundamentally we believe don't we that that actually this the surest the safest kind of foundation and identity they they can find is uh, is actually as as children of God, and, mm. and there's a there's a responsibility on us as as those that work with young people, that we are to some extent identity guides for for teenagers. You know, we help them to navigate the period of uncertainty and who am mm. I and that sort of stuff. And without being coercive, we also want to help them to understand that um, yeah, you know, this is the best possible this is life in all its fullness so much of our job supporting teenagers and young people doing that journey of becoming adult is reassurance isn't it it's like holding things that they don't know yet they haven't figured out yet that are still developing and and doing that without anxiety and helping them to do the same thing and and that actually is really hard you know especially as a parent I, I'm I'm in the same boat everybody else is that sometimes when I see things or I hear things or I um, encounter things with my kids I can feel the panic rising and I have to take a deep breath, hold this with confidence. This is okay. This is a journey. They're not supposed to have it all figured out yet. So, so we can do that for them. But yeah, in the midst of so much that they don't know, there is some amazing stuff that, that they can know and that we can tell them about who they are. So they are unique. They are loved. They are valuable. 
that, that every single person has some, in some magical, wonderful, amazing way, a flicker of the resonance of God in them. So when I look at them, even on their worst day, when they've just behaved like the most hideous versions of themselves, they are, there's still a flicker of who God is in them. And, and we can celebrate that stuff and, and anchor them in that, root them in that. They build the rest of their understanding of who they are, hopefully on a really good foundation. That's a good gift to give them. Fantastic. What a great place to stop. But before we end this one, I'd like to invite producer Amy. Hello. Onto the microphone. Hello, Amy. Hi. How are you? Yeah, good. You're sitting here just enjoying listening to the wisdom of Dr. Yeah, Kate. Yeah, I know. I feel like this is going to be a bit of a letdown after that. Well, don't say that. <laughs> so here's a quiz that you've stolen off the internet and chopped <laughs> into four chunks. Yes. Um, so let's have this week's questions. Great. Okay, so on this week's edition of How Brave Are You?, uh, the first scenario is a very realistic one. Uh, <laughs> there is a hundred thousand pounds. Oh no, let's say, okay, let's make it even more. A million pounds for you on the other end of a tightrope with a 20 foot drop. Mm. What would you do? Um, so your options are, um, no thanks. Like I'll leave the money. I'm not crossing that rope. Um, or I'd leap across that thing for a million pounds. Or I'd slowly and steadily attempt to cross, but only because of the money. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why else he was. Well, well I, t- I mean, I was very interested in something Kate was saying just now about how we all, like whenever we start any new thing, we're always rubbish at it, aren't we? We have to fail, mm. you know, in order, I'm not going to do a business quote, but failure is part of the learning process of being good at something. Um, so if there was like a secret option where I could go away on a, on a smaller tightrope and learn <laughs> how to walk a tightrope with one of those balancing beam things, yeah. then I, I might have a go at it. Because 20 feet, how fast 20 feet? Is that going to kill you? I don't break know. Break a leg probably. This was also, a, yeah, I mean. I'm counting up the wall. <laughs> Maybe it's not that far. It. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's going to be a, a long way up. Yeah, like far have, enough. I'd like to have a go, but yeah. I want to go into training. I wouldn't, if the only options are have a go now or, or step away, I think mm-hmm. I would step away, but then have a lifetime of regret. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm quite a pragmatic person and I'm not perhaps the most natural risk taker in the world. So I would just be like, I'm obviously going to fall off. So I would probably be not quite sensible. It. But the other yeah. thing is I'm very influenced by my my son, whose entire life ambition is to become a YouTube billionaire. And oh, he wow. would tell you that a million pounds is nothing. Like you need a lot more. So that would tell me two things. Number one, I'd probably need more money. And number two, whatever I did, I should film it and put it on YouTube (laughs) because, you know, that is clearly the best way to get some money. Fair enough. Well, I think in that case... If my son has taught me nothing. (laughs) I think in that case, you can say that Kate won that round. Kate wins. Very good. (laughs) It's actually making mistakes higher. Um, Okay. All right. The second one, um, a completely different vibe from from that first one. Uh, so imagine yourselves uh, students again. So, you know, in the shoes of young people. Yes. And uh, being a it's, student. it's an hour before some very important homework is due and your dog actually eats your homework. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Uh, do you describe your crazy dog and ask to be excused from the homework? Uh, spend the hour before class frantically redoing the work? Uh, or ask for an extension. Be honest and say what's happened and ask for an extension. I mean, thinking about my actual university life, if it was an hour before the deadline, I hadn't started the homework. So <laughs> probably option B, I'd just frantically do it again. 
Yeah, I I have to say, I don't know what this says about us, but I was definitely in the similar category there. Although I am quite a good believer in just fessing up and the whole truth is stranger than fiction thing. I once got out of big trouble in my last year at school, actually, at A-levels, because I uh, managed to bring to school, instead of my glasses, which I need to work with, uh, the butter. <laughs> and, and I do remember that dilemma of what do I say to the teacher? Because I'm going to miss the class. I know, I know, I've got to go home and fetch my glasses, which I've put in the Brilliant. fridge. Because uh, and, and, uh, I can't work. And so I did decide just to fess up and she honestly didn't know what to say. And I did not get into trouble. There you go. And I, did go I feel home. like you'd get away with the whole dog thing as well then. But she possibly was slightly concerned about my wider well-being. Kate, That's so Kate, great. Kate I think wins. Kate wins that round Kate on both accounts. Three, yeah. two up with two yeah. to play. <laughs> and the moral of that story is if you have two things in your hand, make sure you do the right thing <laughs> with the right item. <laughs> Well, look, that's it for um, the third edition of Brave, our podcast from Headstrong, um, looking at young people's mental health as we look to emerge well from the pandemic. We've got one more to go. Please join us for it next time. I've been Martin Saunders. She's been Dr. Kate Middleton. Thanks for being with us. 